Today, our first scripture comes from Isaiah 11, 1 through 10. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the, break of his, with the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt, and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. And the little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put his hands into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. Isn't that glorious? Isaiah is speaking of the Messiah who is yet to come, and the Messiah hasn't even come yet. He describes Jesus as a branch coming out of the root of Jesse that will bear fruit. It is amazing to think that Isaiah knew God's plan and how he was going to send someone to earth before it was even enacted. And Isaiah is describing the coming of Jesus about 700 years before he even came. Our second scripture today is in Matthew. It's verse 1 through 12. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all of Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit and keeping with repentance. And do you think that you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father? I tell you, out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire, his winnowing fork in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. John the Baptist is preaching about the wilderness, and he is preparing a way for Jesus to come. John the Baptist is actually related to Jesus, too. He's like a spokesperson 
letting everyone know that he baptizes with water and for the repentance of sins. But Jesus is coming later to baptize them with the Holy Spirit and unquenchable fire. Would you please pray with me? Lord, we pray over Pastor Mike and his sermon today. May your words flow through Mike this morning. Help us truly understand Mike's message, and may we open our hearts to you. Help us this week as we strive, strive to be a branch just like Jesus that bears fruit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. come to these moments. Well, first, before we get to these moments of preaching, I want to tell you something. Eliah that just led us in worship this morning is a uh, um, freshman at Lindmar High, uh, one of our youth ministry interns, and today's his 15th birthday. So give him a hand. Yeah. Yeah. What a way to spend your birthday with Pastor Mike, huh? All right. Good job, Eliah. Great job. Um, do want to say um, a couple words of thank you first to all of you in the Marian Methodist congregation. I want to thank you on behalf of Marian Cares. Uh, so many of you have adopted uh, Christmas families. We always say, let's take 100 because you're the kind of church that can do that. We take about a fourth of the people they serve, uh, that we serve, and I'm grateful for that. I also know um, by way of invitation, I, I looked at the uh, online portal where you can kind of decide which child to, to help with and what their gift list is. There's, there's still a handful or two of them uh, left, so if you uh, would love to be called into that ministry, I encourage you to look on the church app, and you can pick out your child uh, there. And um, so thank you, and, and let's go. And I want to invite you back to church tonight for Oh Starry Night. This is one of our great Christmas endeavors every year during Advent. Our wonderful bell choirs, all four of them, will be here this afternoon. And probably sometimes working together is their typical way uh, to just fill this room with the melodious sounds of Christmas. So you're invited back. Uh, the the uh, presentation's at 4 p.m., following which... We're going to have a multi-soup dinner. I, I came into the church yesterday, and I could smell that gingerbread. Some of you already met some of that this morning. And soups uh, getting ready. So come on back. for uh, if, if you like soup, it's likely your favorite will be here. Unless it's oyster chowder. And now somebody will probably tell me, no, we're having that too. Okay. So your sermon today. You stink. That's what he yelled at me all the way across the narthex of our old church. I was just walking out, and I said, what do you mean? He says, you stink. I'm like, seriously, what, what, what are you talking about? He says, well, that's pretty much what your sermon was. You just got up there, and you told us we all stink. I thought, well, this is kind of aggressive. Uh, but I said, you know, no, I was preaching the message of John the Baptist, you know, the one that Eli just read a few moments ago. And what John the Baptist says is, you don't have to stink. You don't have to stink. See, a very imperative part of the Christmas message is investigating this critical character known as John the Baptist. 
Because what John the Baptist is telling us there when he comes to preach out in the wilderness of Judea by the Jordan River is he's telling us that God is coming towards you. He is coming right towards you and he will cross the line of human history. He's going to step right from his beyond into our current. And so what he's actually preaching is a much more forceful command than you stink. He's definitely not saying you stink. What he is saying though is true is sin is present in your life. Make no mistake about that. You do have sin in your life and to prepare for the God that is literally going to step over the line in history from his place to be in our place, you must make your soul ready by purging yourself of the sin which distracts you from receiving the blessing of God that's coming towards you. You've got to take the time and make specific effort to purge that sin and receive the God that's coming towards you. And I don't know how many times you read from the prophet Isaiah, but, but your young friend, Eliah, just did this masterful reading of it and then an interpretation of these provocative images that you see in the book of Isaiah. When, when he said, and I love what he said at the end, he says, isn't that glorious? It is. Because if you look at these provocative images, you have a wolf with the lamb and in my mind i say well wolves if unattended eat the lamb right if if the leopard sits with the goat it goes poorly for the goat you know if you had a zoo and you put the leopards and the goats together every day you gotta get new goats right You've got a calf and a lion sitting together. You've got a child sticking their hand into the viper's nest. These very provocative image to remind us of this because it's really not about the animal kingdom. It's about the fierce predators representing your sin. The sin against which your soul is very vulnerable. The leopard overcomes the goat every time. The calf is overcome by the lion every time. The viper strikes the hand of the child. The, the wolf eats the lamb. These fierce predators representing this, the, the, the darkness that we allow into our souls and we're vulnerable against it. And what Isaiah is saying, and he doesn't about say it, he exactly says it, he says that God's righteousness overcomes the predatory behavior that we've invited into our own lives. And the line that separates history before and after we celebrate this morning and in the lighting of those candles week by week is the line which brings opportunity to you and me and every other human being that's ever walked on the streets and paths of this globe. The line represents the peace available to you. The line represents the peace available to the entire world. The line is of peace is specific, and it comes with practical application. So we're going to dive into that. The line of peace requires repentance. Beginning with the difficult admission, I am wrong. I should probably as a pastor say let's take a few moments and let's do a repeat after me thing and we should all say I am wrong because we know that those three very difficult words to uh, pronounce plague us 
And it doesn't matter. You can go back in history and watch Arthur Fonzarelli on Happy Days try to say, I'm wrong. can't pronounce them. Or just yesterday, just yesterday, I saw a meme on the internet. And there was a guy passed out in the park and his wife is bending over him. And the police officers are saying, what happened to him? I mean, he's clean dead out, right? And she said, well, I just said to him, you're right, I was wrong. I'll have to answer for that. But, but those are three very difficult words to pronounce. I am wrong. And yet there are three very true words, three very necessary words in every human heart, including yours. John Wesley, who launched the Methodist movement two and a half centuries ago, wrote this. And first, repent. That is, know yourselves. This is the first repentance. Previous to faith, previous even conviction, or self-knowledge. Know thyself to be a sinner, and what matter of sinner thou art. What kind of sinner are you? I have to tell you, and maybe you've seen it, because I've heard it on uh, TV or social media. I've heard it from presidents. I've heard it from senators. I've heard it from people that I meet in my own community, this sentence where they say, well, you know, I can't really think of anything I've ever done wrong. I'm like, my goodness sakes, I can think of stuff I've done wrong this morning. And it's probably even a fairly long list. But too many people come to God's holy table, which we'll enter into a few moments from now, thinking, I can't really think of anything I've done wrong. And when I hear people say that, I think to myself, either you're spectacularly disingenuous or you're not really thinking. You're not really thinking at all. And, and I wondered, as I was preparing this sermon this past week, do, do we really need a primer on sin? Do we really need to stop and say, this is what it is and this is what... I mean, I kind of doubt it because I think we're all acquainted with what God's way in the world is and we're also acquainted with the fact that if we do anything that distracts us from following that, that's sin. If we put anything between God and ourselves, that's sin. If we put anything that our attention leans into rather than following the way of God, then we're acquainted fairly well with sin. You don't need any training from your pastor. As a matter of fact, through my life uh, here on earth, I found that people are particularly good at sin. And we need to be realistic about that. And we need to be honest about who we really are. Nikki Gumbel, who wrote the Alpha Course, says it this way. If we are honest, we all need to admit we do things we know are wrong. Thus, our greatest need is forgiveness. Just as a man who has cancer needs a doctor, whether he realizes it or not, so we need forgiveness, whether we need it or not. And John the Baptist steps into human history as the precursor to Messiah and reminds us that the first thing we must do, item numero uno, is to turn to God through admitting your sins. Then God will receive you and help you live the way he wants you to live. We have to acknowledge our wrong actions. We have to acknowledge our wrong words. We have to acknowledge our wrong thought processes. And I understand this because I'm one, 
You know, I, I, I meet with saints and sinners every week and I know which side of the ledger I fall on. But admitting I am a sinner in need of forgiveness is our first step to peace with God. I have so many times I've had conversations with people say, I gotta get right with God. How do I get peace with God? Step number one is always repentance. Step number one is always acknowledging your need for forgiveness regardless of who you are. And when we acknowledge it, we need to take that opportunity frequently, daily, maybe even more frequently for some of us. But that idea of saying, I am wrong, leads to the important declaration, I want to be right. You can say, I'm wrong, but then the goal is not to just simply live in your wrongness and be saturated and let it cascade down upon you. The idea is, I want to be right. And according to Tim Keller and all great theologians, says repentance is the way we make progress in the Christian life. That's our first step. That's where we move. Repentance is the best sign that we are growing deeply and rapidly in the character of Jesus. If you want to be like Christ, more like Christ, we start by saying, I'm wrong, I'm sorry, I want to be right. I want to be right correctly in my life. And then we understand that progress of getting right with God is always intentional. We don't just fall into it. I don't know a single soul that just said, you know, I woke up today and I was right with God. Never been right with God before, and there I was, right with God. Nah. It's deliberate. It's intentional. And no one ever says, I'm sorry, accidentally. Uh, well, you know, we can force a four-year-old. Tell your brother you're sorry. <laughs> That's not it. Repentance means first we acknowledge we're wrong, and then we seek to deliberately change our behavior. We direct our hearts away from that which is destructive and we lean into behaviors and disciplines and human groups that specifically orient us towards godly living. That's one of the great whys of the church. You know, people say, well, why does the church exist? Well, the why of the church is to help people orient their lives first towards God and in orienting our lives towards God, then we orient ourselves to the betterment of humankind, the betterment of our community, the, the more loving behaviors that can spread around the world. But we have to lean into that because repentance is turning away from the sinful life and toward the God-honoring life. It, it's not enough to say I'm wrong. We have to move towards being right. And some of us need to make sharp and immediate turns in some of our behaviors. You know, um, this is 35th Avenue that runs behind the church or the, on the uh, north side of our property. It's the gravel road until it gets down there a little ways. And a couple of years ago when it was snowy out, and we know it's coming, but we'll, let's not push it on. But it was really snowy out, and the, it was covered in, you know, tall piles of snow from being pushed off. And I was heading back downtown on 35th, heading towards 35th um, street um, and as I was going down 35th Avenue I went past the school and I got close to well, there's a little daycare center down there and this this gal just came firing out of there she never hit the brake I'm sure she was a laborer it was about 2 15 in the afternoon she'd probably been with a little kid since 6 a.m. and she was just getting out right and she pulls right out in front of me so close that my only choice to miss her was to pull my wheel as hard as I could, go up on the parking, which was, of course, where all the snow piles were, do a bunch of snow piling and uh, snow plowing, and miss, and miss at the same time the mailbox, which my little car successfully did. 
She never saw me coming and still hasn't. <laughs> you know? But I, and, and, and I never met her, never talked to her, but I want to tell you, if I wouldn't have just hit it real hard, we would have met each other intimately. Sometimes we have things in our lives, behaviors, thought processes, and whatnot, that we have to say, man, pull it hard. Stop it and stop it right now. That, that is so dramatic that you are going so in the wrong way and you are so headed towards a collision with, with that which is destructive to your soul that you need to stop right now. I don't have to instruct you on what that is. You know. You know what it is. Every single one of us. Some of us have things that are very different from other people, but we know, and if we don't know, we can look at our social media, we can look at our time, we can look at where we're spending our money, we can see where our addictive behaviors are, and it will tell you what you need to stop and stop right now. It's not that hard. And there are some things in our lives, you know, so we need to yank the wheel real hard sometimes, but there's some times in our lives where, where our behavior can be a little bit softer, a little bit more gentle, our change. I mean, like when you're driving down the road and you can see 800 yards down the road that you can see somebody through a retread or last night's skunk is still there in your lane, you can kind of just gently pull yourself over and, and keep going. And some of the transitions, some of the changes we need to make are, are like that. We, we just step towards something healthy. We don't have to stop something real hard. We just take some steps away from where we've been to some, you know, to, to, to some healthy relationships, to some faith-building scenarios, but away still, deliberately, from what is pulling us away from those things. And both turns need to be made and they need to be made in the right now. Even though you don't have to yank the wheel of your soul for some of them, you do have to turn and move. This is part of the work of repentance. Because when you repent, then we understand that the, the, the line of peace requires bearing fruit. I don't know if you are watching this, but there's this company called Eden, like the Garden of Eden, called Eden Vert. And what they sell is these vertical gardens, okay? You'll, you, some of you will check it online because some of you are going to want what I talk about right now. Others of you are saying, that's silly. But that's how we are with all products, right? Edenvert, what they, what they sell is gardens. But what, they, what, what their marketing campaign is, this kind of garden looks beautiful year-round. You never have to water it. You never have any bugs with it. You never have weeding. You never have fruit going rotten on the vine. Why? It's a garden without gardening. Why? Because it's made out of synthetic materials. Or as we used to call it, artificial. It's fake. It, you look at it and there's these beautiful tomatoes hanging there. <laughs> well, they have no taste to them. Or that taste would certainly not be great. It's not bearing any fruit at all. And they promise you that. John the Baptist, on the other hand, says, our lives need to produce fruit keeping with repentance. Our Christianity needs to produce results. It needs to show others that we are daily moving towards Christian perfection. And I did say perfection, and I'm not mistaken in that word. That is a historic ancient word that all the ancients and John Wesley and the Wesley brothers and Whitfield and all those that launched the Methodist movement says, yes, we need to reach for Christian perfection. You say, well, I can never be perfect. And I say, well, duh. But we, 
we reach towards that and what perfection means is a perfect relationship with God where our spirit is in line and in tune with him maybe we don't get to it to the other side of what we call life right now but our aim needs to be moving towards it Joyce Meyer who some of you people love wrote this I am not where I need to be but thank God I'm not where I used to be that is the work of repentance that is the aim of advent when we light these candles week after week and as you know we're moving down the process where we're moving closer to more than half done the aim is to move our lives towards where god desires us to be in a spiritual manner in a faithful manner so today i encourage you as as the heart and the and the king of this worship service is holy communion is to prepare your heart for Holy Communion, to prepare your heart today to when you come down to, to admit, to admit what, what, what's kind of stinking in your soul, to, to admit what it is that's breaking you, admit that which is taking you away from God, to declare your readiness to live in harmony with God, to, to pledge to take the steps necessary with your repentance. At, at, at this rail and in, and in those seats today, we can step over the line of the peace that's provided us. We can do that here and now, today. And I pray for you that this is your moment and those are the steps you take. Will you pray with me? Oh, Father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and holy parent of every single one of us here, we ask your blessing on these moments that we call Holy Communion. We ask, Father God, that we truly might understand that it's here and now that we can declare our reality, that we want to move closer to you, not farther from you. We can declare, Lord, that while it's certainly true of everyone that's here, our soul is not rancid, but there are some stinky places in it, Lord. And of them we need repent. We need to, even as we bow down here and now, to bend our, our hearts before you and say, Lord, I am truly sorry for what I've done. Forgive me. And Lord, you've told us that if we are honest and true, then your forgiveness and restoration is authentic and complete. And we can walk back to our chair knowing that we are free and completely free of all that breaks us. In your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.